Attention, Big Blue Nation. Welcome to Kentucky Basketball, Then and Now, a unique exploration of America's Paramount Collegiate Hardwood Program, featuring anecdotes and memories from the 1950s forward to the very latest on everything UK hoops. Kentucky Basketball, Then and Now, seats Wildcat fans, front court and center. Here's Lexington native and SEC standout Gary Waddell and Owensboro native and rough front senior student manager Mike Harold. Hello and welcome again to another edition of Kentucky Basketball Then and Now. Again, I'm Gary Waddell and I've got Mike Harrell on the phone along with Rick Downs. So we're uh, ready for a big show. Did you guys see much of the games on Saturday? I mean, it was like a second round of the NCAA tournament. There were some excellent games. Uh, personally, I like the Tennessee-Arizona game, which was the last one late in the evening, but those two teams are really good. Uh, anyway, uh, it, it was a great day of basketball. Y'all have any thoughts on the games? Well, I saw enough to say that Kentucky's got a long way to go, baby. Yep, yep. Uh, that uh, there's a lot of teams out there right right now better than can Kentucky. Yes, unfortunately, in, in three or four right in the SEC: Tennessee, yes. Arkansas, Alabama. Uh, surprisingly, Ken Palm, who I and a lot of people think is the best uh, ranking person out there because he includes so many things, uh, uh, particularly home and away and so forth. He still has his number eight in the country, which kind of shocks me. Uh, I think part of it's because we've played a pretty good schedule so far. But Tennessee is number uh, six, I believe it is, and uh, number four. UT is number four, and there's a bunch of... Uh, SEC teams in the top 25. I mean, the usual suspects, Auburn, Alabama, uh, who am I missing here? But uh, I think even the lower half of the conference is better than normal. They haven't played anybody yet, but Mississippi State is, uh, I think, still undefeated, and Ole Miss seems to be playing better. So it's going to be a good year, I think. But I do too. But I mean, Gary, it doesn't matter to me if you're playing. All top twenty-five teams. If you're losing them to them, oh, I'm the with best you. Mike. You can yeah. be as twenty-six. Yeah, you know? I'm with you. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, all you got to do to uh, get a handle on Saturday's game is say UK scored fifty-three points in a game that was far from a uh, slowdown game. Uh, I mean, that kind of tells you they could only score that many points in a game that had a lot of running up and down the court. Committed eighteen turnovers. Shot thirty three percent from the field, just every uh, three for uh, five for thirteen from the foul line. I mean, there wasn't anything uh, outstanding there. I guess UCLA scoring only sixty three. You could maybe say the defense wasn't so bad, but it was a it was a uh, both teams looked terrible, and uh, and yeah, a lot of people have said that. And Mike, one of the, and Rick, one of the things that it bugs me has forever is why four and five star players. And many of them now making hundreds of thousand dollars a year cannot shoot better than such as Saturday, five for 13 from the foul line. That's, I mean, it's just, I, I don't understand how that happens. They, uh, at UK, the craft center where they practice couldn't be more than 50 yards from the uh, lodge where they live. Uh, and, and why they don't get in there at night and practice or, or if nothing else, go to the underhand Rick Berry foul shooting. Uh, you know, Rick. Slugged it out every year in the pros with, uh, um, oh gosh, the guy that was a ballerina. 
uh, threw the baton, uh, Calvin Murphy. And for the leading percentage in the NBA, Barry was up around 90% every year shooting underhand. And of course, it gave him a lot of notoriety, which I think, think he loves. So, but anyway, yeah. that's, uh, I don't understand well, I, it. Those, that game and your summary of the statistics reminds me of a quote we'd hear from Coach Rupp when things weren't going too well, play, players making mistakes, et cetera. He would say, oh, hell, fellas, that won't sell any tickets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't think you're going to gain any viewers when you're playing the way they're, they're playing. And, you know, it, I think all of us are puzzled and we're asking ourselves why. And I've got some theories on that, as I'm sure you do. But go, go ahead. I'm, I'm sure we'll get to that in a little, little bit. Well, it makes, you know, we've got the number one recruiting class coming in. But I don't know what to expect. We've had number one recruiting classes before that we didn't even make the final four. So, you know, I think we got the superstar, uh, the point guard coming in. But it's, uh, it's a little frustrating. You know, I know in my case, I was slow and I couldn't jump, but I could shoot. And basically, because that's all I did was practice shooting, I should have been down in a defensive stance more, I guess, but that's hard to do by yourself. Uh, I used to shovel snow in the winter to get out and shoot. But by a senior in college, I shot 87% from the line. It's repetition, repetition. And uh, Malcolm Gladwell, who's, of course, had many books out there, has said to be the best at something, like a Jordan or Wayne Gretzky, it takes 10,000 hours of uh, practice. Now, some people said that's crazy, but um, the point being, you got to really work at it. And uh, I got a feeling our guys aren't doing it because they're missing foul shots. Some of them very crucial. And it just, I can it blows my mind a little bit on that. Yeah, uh, I agree. When I was a youngster, I was reading a, a <coughs> book that was written by Duke Snyder. Mm -hmm. And that he uh, told a story about how this re reporter came to see him and said, well, you've just got this natural swing that just makes things so much easier for you. And Duke Snyder said, well, come down here in the basement. I want to show you something. <laughs> so he went down there and he had a basically a pitching mound and a uh, batting cage set up for exact specifications. And uh, he said, I'm down here swinging at balls thrown by that machine a thousand times a day mm. and uh Wait off. that that kind of accounted for that sweet sweet swing so to speak mm -hmm. so you know they're sure they're every now and then there is a quote-unquote natural but even they can be a lot better if they practice and that practicing being perfect does get you pretty close to perfect yeah um, so well shooting a foul shot's repetition like many things we do in life i mean you can't sing the same song over and over and be great if you have a bad voice, but foul shooting is different. It's just, it's mechanics of your arm and, and hand. And, um, but that's just my, my thought, but I know UK could be maybe undefeated if they only shot, uh, hit two thirds of the foul shots because it miss a lot in the big games. Right. Which, which is leaves some room for hope that yep. we think maybe they could get their act act together. But I, I really think it shows kind of what, what's going on at K Kentucky in general is there's just a lack of focus. Mm -hmm. uh, 
what I've seen with foul shooting, especially is you got to get up there and having done it hundreds of times in practice, you get up there and you blot out everything and you focus right on what you got to do and tell yourself, put that ball right over the, the front of the rim or yep. however you like to shoot it. Yep. And you got to get the same repetition bounce and knee bend and breathing. All that's got to be in, in sync. Mm-hmm. And it sounds easy. It's not easy, but it is can be done. And if you practice it, you get it into rep- repetition. And that's what then helps take the pressure off when you're pl- doing it in a game because you've done it a thousand times all week. Uh, you can rely on that experience and not not get hung hung up on the pressure. Yep. But I I think it's a general malaise of uh, I think the players are getting from what I hear. I don't have any facts on this, but what I read, they're getting a lot of name, image, and likeness money. Mm-hmm. I think think we've got a coach who has a guaranteed co- contract, and I have yet to see an example uh, that is successful when an organization gives somebody a lifetime contract, no matter who who you are, you're human. It takes the edge off Mm -hmm. and you're not going to push as hard. So now you've got players that have more, more money than when you and I were there, Gary, we could possibly imagine. And then you got a coach that it really doesn't matter whether he wins or loses. No. Um, So there's no, there's no urgency. And yep. so what I'm hoping is they'll wake up and realize that uh, if they don't do well this year, that won't help them in the draft. So it will yep. hurt them some, yep. but there's just not, the system is not set up to motivate them and they don't have any leadership. It appears yep. maybe a leader will come out of the pack, but uh, right now it's just kind of a, uh, very, very dismal situation compared yeah. to what we thought we would have. You're right. Same as we've seen the last three or four years. It's uh, And you also, on the free throws, you need to shoot them in game conditions. That means get up the line in practice and be tired like you're yes. going to be in a game. And move. You know, a lot of people will stand there and shoot 100 foul shots, and that's okay for a little bit. Yep. But the way you shoot them in the game, is, as you know, as you're running up down the court, you're tired, you're breathing hard. And then you walk up to the line and take a few seconds to get your thoughts together and maybe mm-hmm. get your breath. And then you shoot at most three mm-hmm. and then you get on with the game. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, naturally, and especially for good athletes and good basketball players, if you can stand there for 10, 10 minutes and get comfortable, yeah, you can probably hit a bunch more than you can if you're walking up there and the game's on the line and you got to hit Yep, so yep. I think I think the practice needs to be simulated game conditions. Run up and down six times and then go shoot and then run up and down six times and do it again. Yep. As opposed to I think a lot of them just stand stand there and shoot it. And uh that that's not nearly as good. No, and that's coaching the systems too. Uh yes. I mean that's common sense that you need to shoot them like game conditions. And you don't just sit there one after another. So, you know, and we'll get off the UCLA game, but that's what everybody in Lexington, uh, yeah, I've been listening to all the call-in shows and everybody's talking about the uh, the record. Somebody looked up as, as for the last 17 
games UK has played against ranked teams, they've won five of them. Um, won only four. Four out of the last 17 ranked game teams that they've played, they've lost, which is, uh, I mean, you know, if, if, Kentucky, I mean, what's going on? And, and, and they're not like they're not recruiting well. You, you know, it's such, you know, I don't get excited about recruiting anymore because all these big-name guys don't produce when they're here. Now, they do in second or third year in the pros, but they don't seem, most of them don't seem to be getting the job done here. I mean, there's exceptions, Davis and uh, so forth. By the way, and off subject, but I see where AD uh, has a foot injury and he's going to be out uh, a number of weeks. So, oh boy, he's injury prone. Fortunately, at UK, he wasn't, but he's becoming very injury prone. And, uh, uh, you know, a lot of weight on that seven foot frame of his. But, uh, you know, I, I got frustrated second half where Tiger, their little guard, would continually, uh, they would set a pick for him. He would go around and rather than go all the way to the basket, he would stop just two or three feet inside the foul line and was shooting eight footers and making them. Why they don't, of course, Cal is against this, uh, it's against what he stands for basketball, but why they don't go to zone sometime and nothing else just to uh, cross the team up possibly for a few minutes. I don't understand, but he, he does not play zone. And of course, most coaches don't, but still. That would have been a been a perfect time to uh, to do that. So frustrating, yeah. Uh, I, I had a laugh or two and watching the game. Of course, when they put in this uh, Mac Antoine, who was their third team center, that came in late in the game. At first, I thought I was watching Bill Walton out there. I mean, he's got long hair. He hasn't been around a, a tube of shampoo for quite some time. Uh, Looked like a, a came down from the mountains, of course, like Walton did when he played with Portland Trail Trailblazer. But he's pretty good, and uh, he's only a redshirt freshman, so he's going to be around. He's from uh, Brooklyn or, or uh, Queens, I think. So maybe he's trying to be another Kareem Abdul-Jabbar coming from Manhattan to uh, to uh, UCLA. But by how times have changed since the Wizard of Westwood retired. <laughs> he he wouldn't. Have, I'm not sure he allowed today, but you know that was a big. Thing they talked about, uh, Walton said, I'm not going to play if you make me cut my hair. And Wooten said, well, we're going to miss you, Bill. <laughs> and uh, eventually, of course, Walton acquiesced and cut his hair, was player of the year again his senior year. But anyway, that's uh, – but if we keep losing, uh, of course, the fan apathy is going to increase. There's going to be more empty seats, and it's, it, you know, it's, it's a problem. We, we've been through these before with – Eddie Sutton and then Gillespie. But fortunately, each time we've found good quality coaches with charisma that came along to rescue the program, along, very importantly, with Jamal Mashburn. Um, by the way, and I think a lot of people know it, but getting Patino, we can give thanks to Jim Host and C.M. Newton. He was the guy that convinced, uh, particularly Patino's wife, but convinced Patino years ago to, to come to UK, which... Had he not come, who knows where their program would be to this day. A lot of people recognize that, but uh, but it's true. And, and a lot of people think Mashburn's the most important recruit UK ever had. And you can make a case for that. So, well, Rick, what do you have for us today, buddy? Well, I got a little bit here. Uh, for those of our listeners who follow us on social media, and by the way, to you listeners who are not yet there. Uh, we are on Facebook and Twitter. 
Yep. We'd love for you to find us there. And while there, go ahead and click that follow button so you see all of our posts about Kentucky basketball. And anyway, though, uh, if, if, if you've been following us, uh, you've probably seen happy birthday wishes to several Wildcats, including Oscar, who turned 23 in late November. And toward the other end of the age spectrum to Cliff Hagen, uh. Wildcat great from the early 1950s, who turned 91 years young on December really? 9th. And then somewhere in the middle, with 47 candles on his birthday cake about 10 days ago, Cameron Mills. Uh. Cameron walked on at UK and won a spot on Rick Pitino's 1996 national championship team. He only played 16 minutes that year. But he became a big contributor to the 1997 team that returned to the Final Four, hitting 53.2% of his three-point attempts during yep. that season, yep. which is still a U.K. record for a season. And then in 1998, he helped send the Cats back to the Final Four for the third straight year. Yep. And he uh, really he, he capped that off, in fact, by, by two clutch three-pointers in the second half oh, yeah. of the championship win over Utah. Yep. For his career at UK, Cameron shot 47.4% from beyond the arc, placing it second on the career all-time list mm. behind Deron Lamb's 90, I'm sorry, 47.5%. And his, uh, he played his last season at UK in 2012. Yep. Fortunately for Cameron, he didn't have many shots, but they were so big, he, he'll be remembered UK history forever. Uh, yeah. The, the Duke game particularly is the one I'm thinking of that he hit a couple that were so important. That was a game that, uh, oh, the guard for uh, UCLA, UCLA, Duke didn't have any more timeouts. And there wasn't any stoppage in play, and they couldn't stop it. I mean, usually something happens, and that's when uh, UK made the run from 19 down and, uh, of course, ended up winning the game. And uh, But, yeah, those final games, Utah and, and uh, Duke in the semis or, or – Quarterfinals were were something. I guess they played Utah in uh, uh, in the finals, and who they play in the semifinals to uh, to get to the finals that year? I can't, I can't remember, but I'm not recalling that. Those right. were those were all close games, to say the least. Yeah, um, you know, and talk about apathy, and I'll get off this. If they keep losing, somebody's going to ask the question: Why did Vince Barnhart back in eighteen? renew uh, Cal's contract for 10 years. Uh, I guess that's similar to what Texas A&M fans are thinking about Jimbo Fisher. But uh, no one's brought that up yet, but somebody made a mistake. It's looking that way anyway. Uh, it's our third bad year in a row. Uh, that last, Like last year, we were, what, 22-8. and eight. It wasn't terrible, but we lost the big game in the tournament, which everybody remembers only that. So, uh, But anyway... Mike, you got anything on your end? No, other than just what I was saying, I think something's got to happen. They need a paradigm shift. I think somehow Coach Cal or somebody's going to have to get their attention that uh, while they're good players and they probably got a good, decent future in the NBA or wherever they want to play, but it could be a lot better and they could be improving their skills. And they need they need a leader and they need focus. And they need to play consistent defense. You know, that, that team that won the championship back in 2012, there was about 10 to 12 minutes every game you could count on where they would just tighten it down and 
the other team just couldn't score. Yep. And so that gave them a chance to get a nice little run. We got to get some kind of calling card like that. We got to get some motivation and some hustle and some defense. And then good defense turns into good offense most of the time. So they've somehow got to get a leader from the coaches or from themselves or both and, and really get this thing going because I think the potential's there to have a very good season, yep. whether they could truly win it all or not. I, after watching this, I kind of doubt it, but if they really start improving and working hard, I think there's still a, a, a good possibility of a very good team. I, and I've heard this from some of my friends. I think some people in the after game interview and so forth, they would like Cal to uh, act like he's mad, that he's not happy. I mean, everything seems to be hunky-dory, and uh, we just got to get in the gym and work. And I think, uh, so. yeah, but when, when UK lost a few games under Patino, it didn't take long in an interview to you know that Patino was just fuming. And uh, I, I remember I went up to see it at, at uh, a game at Tennessee, maybe his first or second year, uh, up in Stokely Center. UK got pounded on the boards. And in the, in the after-game interview, he said, we better have a couple doctors on staff at practice tomorrow because we're going to need them. And uh, I'm sure they, all, yeah. they just blocked out and blocked out and so forth. But uh, you, I don't get that feeling as much. And maybe I'm wrong. He, maybe he's uh, hurting as, as much as anybody could after a loss. But uh, he seemed to be more cheerful than I would like when they lose. But maybe that's just me. <laughs> Uh, well, I think you're right, though, because if you remember the post-game interviews that Coach Rupp had, he, if he was mad, he you were going to know about it, yeah. and he was going to name names. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yep. uh, same way, if you did a good job, he would be happy and he'd name names. But uh, So there was nothing especially politically correct. It was just, by God, we got to do better, mm -hmm. or we pl played well tonight. And mm -hmm. I'm happy for the fellows, he would say. Yep. So uh so I, I do think we gotta somehow get it uh and quick. Get it get it together, yeah. I mean we're starting at SEC here. Well we play what Missouri uh, next week, middle of next week. So twenty eighth or oh maybe no no, that's I think they're the first uh, couple of days in January, but it's gonna come quick and Adolf you like to use the expression somebody played well that he really went to war out there. Uh, yeah. I remember hearing that a lot of times in his interviews. Well, we thank you very much for joining us again. Uh, again, I'm going to give our email address. We're getting more comments is the longer we're doing these podcasts, but it's chat singular wildcats plural at gmail.com. And uh, we wish everybody, of course, a safe and very, very Merry Christmas. And so we'll be back here right after the first of the year. Yep. Then it'll be our next yep. one. That That's right? exactly yep. right. Exactly right. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And Merry, Merry Christmas to uh, everybody. All right. Everybody. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to Kentucky Basketball Then and Now. Mixed by sensational audio expert Daniel Dotridge of Atlanta Podcast Recording with web hosting by Buzzsprout. On behalf of host Gary Wandell and Mike Harold, go Big Blue.